The Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and Friends. everyone welcome along to episode 154 of the boys of tech a weekly tech podcast this one is for the week beginning monday 20th of february 2012 my name is edwin herman i'd like to welcome first of all brett king how are you brett ah pretty good pretty good you're always pretty good yeah yes indeed does it ever change ah sometimes but then generally i will still say pretty good because, you know, that's what you do in polite society. You know, the other day a colleague called out to me and I'd just been recovering from a, a, a cold and I was still pretty stuffed up and so. And he said, how are you? How you been? I said, oh, good. Yeah, good, good. Then I stopped, paused and realised, no, I hadn't actually been good, but it's just something you say. So then I backtracked. I said, well, actually, no, I'm actually quite miserable and I feel terrible. And then you just ruined his day. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I mean, and I, I was, I was talking with the block nose, and I sounded like this. So, I mean, you know, he he would realise. I mean, you know, but it is something you say. Let's bring Alec Doughty into the conversation. Welcome along, Al from Drinkle.com in Brisbane. How are you, you doing? Are oh, you feeling we- fine today? <laughs> I am awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're awesome. Brett's pretty good, and and I'm okay too. So. <laughs> I mean, I, I could I could yeah, lie and so. say I'm, I'm recovering from a cold, but this time that's not true. That was before. All right, now that we've uh, we've established exactly how we all are, I think we'll we'll kick off the show just looking ahead at some of our stories. Google Drive, I'll tell you about that in a second, is uh, coming soon. Also, Google is planning an Android-based home entertainment system and a new 3D TV from Sony that eliminates split screen when gaming. So, first up, Google Drive. What is Google Drive? It's iCloud for Android. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. Google Drive is late to the party. Yeah. <laughs> a little late. Yes, Google Drive is Microsoft SkyDrive. It's iCloud. It's uh, Dropbox, Dropbox. It's Box. Box. It's, um, yeah. <laughs> it's cloud storage. Woohoo. Yeah, in, in, in I'm a nutshell, so excited it- about it. Are you? Is that sarcasm? I think yeah, yeah, yeah. Cloud storage. What do you do? Every man and his dog has cloud storage. We've all got clouds. Al, what did you say? I think he was being a little bit facetious. Ah, right. Just wanted to check. I was just checking. So yeah, I mean, it is in a nutshell their cloud solution, and yep, it, it, it seems very much cloud. like iCloud in the sense that it's going to synchronize stuff across Android devices. Yep, yep. You know, Google's doing the same thing that Apple does. It tries to, it's attempting to lock people into its family. And Microsoft like, is doing you exactly the Gmail, same thing with Skydrive. You use our Google, our Google Drive, you use Android, you use our Google Drive. If you're on an iPhone, use iCloud. Yeah, but are they really trying to lock you in or are they just trying to provide you with services? Well, it's right. not like there aren't a dozen of services out there already that provide online cloud storage that work with Android. Yeah, but, you know, 
it's it's native so it does like for example the android stuff you don't need to think about it just synchronizes so does iCloud for for ios uh, yeah, you know the, the others the, don't do all that sort of stuff auto, automatically the other ones do they not automatically as soon as you buy something from itunes it doesn't appear on your on your okay i have apps on my i i don't use cloud storage i sync things directly because i'm just Lame that, that way. That kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just lame that way. But I still have apps on my phone, which the app itself, by default, will sync with Dropbox, not with iCloud, with Dropbox. It depends on what the app developer wants it to sync with. If the operating system itself provides some sort of cloud sync service, it might I use thought. that. Yeah. Or the app developer might have developed, you know, got a relationship going with a particular cloud storage provider and will instead use that as well, their okay. I was actually specifically thinking of, of choice. I was specifically thinking of in the case of iOS, the services that Apple provide you with, for example, iTunes. Now you don't have to be a Mac user to use iTunes, but if you are a, a, an iOS or a Mac user, and if you use iTunes, then it, iCloud makes sense because you, you buy a track, it's there, it's everywhere. Yeah, but it depends on your apps, what you're doing on the device as to whether or not it syncs with whatever. It, so, it so look, I'm not trying to say that iCloud is any better or, or, or worse. I'm not trying to compare them at all. All I'm trying to say is that are they trying to lock you in or not? I don't know that they are. They're just providing with services that work seamlessly. That's the way I see it. Same with Google. Once again, I'm countering that as the fact that it depends on what the app developer wants it to sync seamlessly with. Well, absolutely. It's a, an API choice for the developer. Now they yeah. just have an extra choice. Exactly. The, and the, we know that the Android operating system is immensely customizable by the, you know, the, the, the handset manufacturers themselves. So the handset manufacturer themselves could have their own preferred cloud storage and have their handset, their Android handset natively sync with whatever cloud storage they want. Exactly. I wouldn't be surprised if Samsung does the, that very thing. You know, I'm glad that Google Drive is a fully featured uh, system and, and not sort of just a a drive in the cloud. In fact, speaking of that, whatever happened to G Drive? What's um, a G Drive? It was a, it, it was a discontinued 20% project. What's a 20% project? Well, you, you know the, the, the Google philosophy of, of letting all their staff have 20% of their time dedicated to their own pet oh, projects. Yes, yes. Oh, I see. Yeah. yeah. It was one of those and, and never, yeah. never got off the ground. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. never got released, I suppose. Yeah. Right. Okay, so good. Okay, so uh, if you who's who's an Android user here? I was for a day. <laughs> it was actually my new work phone, and uh, it it had a fault in it, so I asked for a different brand. <laughs> I asked uh, for a Windows Phone device. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> good. Good choice. So no one here uses Android. Any, no, no, we've no. gone over this. Wow. We've gone over this before. I would have used Android if the phone that I wanted was in stock. Right, so your next it, phone, Brett, it wasn't, could, and why? I, that's why I got an iPhone. <laughs> so your next phone will be an Android phone, or will be whatever you decide at the time. Uh, it'll quite possibly be another iPhone because I have. You are now locked into their environment because you've purchased apps. Yeah, I, yeah, I but have, Brett, I have, what are they I've worth? I've spent like forty bucks with apps. Oh, but that's not that much. 
That really? Hey, it, it's forty dollars. Yeah, but when you're buying, I have to rebuy it. Well, okay, it's forty bucks. But what I'm saying is, when you're buying a phone for a grand for a thousand dollars, what's another forty dollars? Yeah, but then I have to get all you know, buy new apps, do more research. What's a good app? Look, I'll give you for I'll, That's the I'll most give annoying you forty dollars. Going it, through it, reviews it does, to it find does a good raise app. the barrier for switching platforms. What if I yes, give you forty dollars? It, 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 it doesn't prevent you from doing it. It just raises the bar. So mm. what, if, what if I give you $40? Will you then buy an Android phone? Uh, no, if you give me $1,040, I'll buy an Android phone. <laughs> Actually, I don't know why I'm saying this anyway, because I'm not really going to give you $40, and I don't really care what sort of phone you run. <laughs> <laughs> Besides, the next phone Dangle I, was, the I was eyeing up is, was a Windows phone. <laughs> yeah, look, you know, I, I think they're, they're, they're kind of underrated, the Windows ones. Oh, they totally are. Totally. Take it from a user. I wonder. I don't know. I still don't know why. I haven't worked out why. Is it because they're too late to the party? I don't know. Or because Microsoft's no, I, got a bad name now? I think partly um, Microsoft has a bad name because of their Windows Mobile OS, mm. um, which was a different, completely different code base. Yes. Um, and we're but, stuck on version 6.5 for how many years? Yeah, exactly. It was Windows okay. CE. I mean, it, it, it was just horrible. Yeah. The new version, completely coded from the ground up. Beautiful, beautiful system. But they did a really, really bad job of, of promoting it, of, of their PR. Mm. Oh, did they? Yeah. It I mean, their, their, their campaign just didn't make any sense. I must admit, I don't even remember seeing anything about it or hearing anything about it until it was oh. you know, in the media, in go. the news. All right. Well, that's maybe where they went wrong. Now, still on Google, have you heard that they're planning to release a home entertainment system? I have. Uh, well, it's, an, it's a music streaming system. Well, it's both. by Android. It's See? both. Well, from, from what I've heard, it's got the, the music streaming stuff in it, but it's also for controlling your home. It's like a, an appliance that... Okay, because that's, that's not yeah. what I've heard. See, I couldn't work out exactly what this thing was. I mean, what yeah, I've seen is, uh, is that it's is, a, is an it, Android-based device that you can control from other Android-based devices, and it's kind of like Apple TV it's, or, or one of the many other media streaming devices you can get for your home. Well, it's, it's more like the Sonos player, yeah. But will allow you to use also Google-branded or Google API'd Wi-Fi speakers, etc., to broadcast your music over Wi-Fi, and it will be connected to Google Drive as well. I think the lesson oh, yeah. here and is Google, Google hasn't explained the device properly. Yeah, yeah, you're right there. Hmm. They haven't explained it properly. Don't use Google to search Google Drive. Use Bing. <laughs> Why? Because it'll then just give you nothing. Actually, you might be right. Should I try it now? I'll have a look. If I go to Bing and I type in. Google Drive. No, I'm sure they, they're okay. They don't do stuff like that, do they? No. Actually, Fine. download Gmail Drive. Gmail Drive. I think that's a third-party thing. Oh, it's a third-party thing. Yeah, yeah, it allows you to use your Gmail account, yeah. your Gmail mail it's, account to store. It's a, a dodgy hack. Okay, I don't think we can do much more on that story because... <laughs> next. Yeah, next, yeah, I reckon next. as well. Throw this one out next. next. Okay, the next one is Sony. Now, Sony is releasing a what's called a PlayStation TV, as they call it. And what it is, is here's the thing, right? Let's set the scene. So remember the old-fashioned gaming with real people next to you, right? We've got uh, two people sharing one screen, yeah? Like a driving like game. Or, or Mario Kart or something. Yes. Indeed. Yeah. 
Exactly. So the, the the most common way that this is done is, of course, by splitting the screen, right? So you look yep. at one half, you, the person sitting next to you looks at the other half. Yeah, now it's really problem, annoying with a 14-inch. Yeah, and, and, and you cheat off each other's screens. Exactly. So what Sony have devised is technology that beams a different image but that, that takes up the whole screen to different players. No, it's beaming both images to both people and it's the glasses which are allowing that person oh, to okay. only Techn- see one of them. I think it's a really smart adaption of 3D technology. Yeah, it's Because this is 3D, 3D technology which is actually facilitating this. Hmm. So the screen refreshes at, at a fast enough um refresh rate that you can get full frame rates for both pictures and you can have both of them playing at the same time. You put your glasses on and you only see the one image. Yep, because they'll have, they'll have, you know, player one 3D goggles and player two 3D goggles. Exactly. Because if you're both using the same type of 3D goggles, you'd both be seeing the same image. Well, you would, you would have to... They'd actually, have to have two sets. Yeah, two, two sets. But imagine... If you got, because you know, modern devices can take up to four, maybe eight, peripher- you know, players on mm-hmm. the on the game. So if you had like player one through eight 3D goggles, you could all be using playing split screen on one 3D television. That, all eight that of would you, be awesome. Your own thing. That would be awesome. I think that's a future update. I think this can only handle two. But that's good and enough. It that's- would be great for those. Those community games like Rock Band where there's like four different players and they've got to fit four different streams of hitting the DDR things at the right times, they could instead have each one person with their own set of goggles and only seeing their stream to watch so they don't get interrupted by other people's. Yeah. It's great. The potential potential is there. I think they've finally found a use for 3D technology. Yeah, but you know, there is a way to cheat on this, right? So if I wanted to cheat, what would I do? Take oh, the glasses off and see both images. No, because it's too hard. They're superimposed. Well, you could, okay, yeah, you could, but it's, it's hard. What I would do, uh, you would lose the 3D effect, as, as you would by taking the glasses off. But what I would do is I'd take a pair of each glasses, chop them in, in half and combine them and just use one eye to look at your screen. And when you want to cheat, just close the other eye. Have a look. That would get quite annoying and probably be more of a detriment to you and your gaming than a benefit to a person who can focus fully instead of trying to – have you tried to watch stuff out of one eye and then switched eyes to watch – And a little flaw in your, your logic. Television. A little flaw in your logic is I, I don't think these are the same sort of 3D glasses that you used to get in uh, like the cardboard cutouts at the back of a comic – so it's a bit harder to chop them in half. And I, and I do believe that if you were to chop these ones in half, they would just stop working altogether. Oh, have they got electronics uh, yeah. in well, between quite, them? Yeah. yeah, they might be yeah. active like 3D they're, they're glasses, the not the passive. Yeah. And does, Either way, I'm going to have yeah. to wait until it comes out in a 55-inch version. because Oh, absolutely. 24 like inches 24 is too small. Inch. Yeah, it's only it's available 24 inch at the moment. But, you know, yeah. this is, this uh, is uh, the uh, first model. It's going to be 55 if it's going to have a uh, place in my lap. <laughs> oh, look. Yeah, the other thing that's really dumb, and I think from a marketing point of view, is it only comes with one pair of glasses. If you want yeah. to play, if you want to use it to the full potential, you need to buy another pair, 70 US dollars. What a waste. Mm-hmm. I should have included it. Okay, just up, bump the price by 70 bucks, throw them in. Make it, because why else would you get this, right? You wouldn't get it for yourself to play a 3D <laughs> game, quite, would you? It's quite early, yeah. Yeah, yeah look. So well, you uh, might get it just because it's, you might get it because it is a 3D television. No, I don't. Wh- wh- it is a 3D display, so you might get it to. 24 inch? 
I don't know. It's well, it, you'd set it on your three D gaming your screen. Yeah, I don't know. That to me, it wouldn't be enough. Replace to- your monitor on your computer with this three D display. Mm. Well, I suppose you could. Yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think uh, they they should have included the uh, second but pair. I, I agree, second pair. Yeah, yeah they yeah. should. It's it, it's a common gimmick. All yeah. of the different console manufacturers do it. It's like you buy the console and you get one controller for it. Yeah, and it's like, well, what's the point in that? I'm, I'm it's, it's even like other three D TVs. Well, even, even yeah, the, yeah, the, the you, big brand get, TVs, you, you only get one set of glasses. Is that right? Do you a family four, and you get one set of glasses. Yes, you joking? You can buy three more pairs at one hundred and fifty dollars <laughs> a piece. Are you joking? Is that right? No, is that the yeah. standard model? Is it? Well, if you get one with the active 3D, yeah. you know, the passive 3D is a lot cheaper. But you still have to buy the three extra sets if yeah, you've you got a family of four. Three extra sets, yeah. It's very annoying. So is 3D TV just a fad, do you think? Or is this going to be something that will continue developing and become more and more commonplace? I think it will develop with gimmicks, but it's I would say the vast feature in majority new TVs of people, now. Yeah, the vast majority of people for the vast majority of their TV watching time will be watching standard 2D television. Mm-hmm. And it will only be for specific movies or specific games that they will actually bother to switch to 3D. Because for every TV, watching 3D anything for a certain amount of time can get quite wearing on your eyes. Yeah. Right. So you're saying that every TV will support that, but it'll just be one of those things that you do. It's just like, you know, every modern TV supports multiple HDMI inputs. Yeah, whereas most have people will have one HDMI thing going into it because everything else plugs into that. Yeah, so it'll be like picture-in-picture picture or uh, HDMI inputs or... Mm, or, or HD, you know, HD upscaling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. They're just common features of it. And Freeview now. Freeview, well, in New Zealand mm. at least, Freeview is a, a common feature of all televisions. Any is, there, is, television it, is it, is it built in these days? Built in. Yeah. Oh, okay. You know, right. you're going to be hard pressed to find a, a a modern television in New Zealand without that a HD not- tuner. But yeah. Do, yeah. do they? Does that include the ability to record, or just the decoder? Generally not. No, just a tuner. Right. Okay. Yeah. So if you want, right. Yeah. All right. So now here's a few silly stories. Uh, you may have seen this one where a guy by the name of Michael Doyle claims that he owns key patents that would effectively make a lot of web or in particular, more specifically, uh, owners of interactive websites with you know, interactive media. Which is media. pretty much every single web page. Indeed, because yeah. his, his version of interactive is you've got a animated... Rollover guess. image. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that would make them liable to pay him royalties because he yeah. claims he owns a, a key patent. And oh, they right. got he claims shot he owns down, the internet. They? Yeah. <laughs> and he got, yeah, he shot, got shot, down shot down big time. Big time. And it really does make all of the people who actually forked out money for the for the licenses that he said like he Apple. had paid for. Like Apple. <laughs> Good decision there, Apple. Uh, uh, must be going, wow, what a waste of money that was. <laughs> well, actually, probably they're not because they, you know, most Apple execs probably go into their office so they can roll around on their money carpet. In the morning, it's like in the morning you roll around on your money carpet and then go, what can we buy today? You know, stock price for Apple has now gone past five hundred dollars. I remember when it was like thirty. Mm-hmm. You should have bought then. Well, isn't hindsight lovely? I mean, I'd yeah, I'd, I'd be a millionaire if I had hindsight. Indeed, I'm probably a billionaire. In fact, probably even more than that. That's but what you need to do, Edwin, is you need to invent a way of having hindsight before it happens. 
<laughs> I was just wondering, is there a is there a paradox there? No, there isn't. I don't think. I think that that's fine. I'm trying to figure out whether there was a paradox there. Okay, so here's another silly story. A Belgian music management company called Sabam or S A B A M. I'm not quite sure how you pronounce that. Can we go Sabam? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, yeah, those guys, they're, they're suing a European social networking site, Netlog, because Netlog allegedly enables users to make copyrighted works available to the public without Sabam's consent. So in other words, what Sabam's saying is that Netlog should prevent, they should, they should have mechanisms, systems in place to prevent copyrighted works from being made available. Mm-hmm. What do That's you think they- about that? Should that be... The role no. of a social network, should that go on No, then? it shouldn't. Definitely not. And the European Court of Justice agrees because they have ruled that they don't have to, that the social network, that copyright holders cannot force social network sites to have filters and systems to filter out copyrighted material. It's a, it's a content filter, which is essentially a... Uh, a- a censorship filter. Yeah, it's a censorship filter. It's an invasion of privacy. But you know, it's it, it, also an, a significant cost and continuing cost to the social networking site, to that mm. provider. And the other thing is, how far does this go? I mean, social networks, what, what about just ISPs for a start? You know, I mean, uh, this would be ridiculous. If, uh, yeah. Precisely. It is mm-hmm. completely ridiculous. It is on the copyright holder's shoulders to prove that somebody shared or made available copyrighted materials. It is not on the ISP or the social network to have to implement some sort of monitoring system that monitors everything that the users do. But if the MPAA had had their choice, oh, they'd love they it. They would absolutely do that because then they wouldn't have to pay for a damn thing. Yeah, yeah it's just silly, it's silliness. Now I did say we're in, in a roll of uh, silly stories. I've got one more silly story as well. Now the uh, Microsoft store in India was hacked. Uh, some Chinese hackers uh, apparently defaced the the front page, and they posted a screenshot of that to prove that they did it. They call themselves the Evil Shadow Team. But what's interesting is that they claim that they found that passwords were being stored in plain text on the site. Oh, dear. Whoever set up that. (laughs) Quasar Media. Uh, Service was not doing a very good job. Indeed. So it's actually, as you said, it's operated by Quasar Media, so it's not actually Microsoft themselves. On behalf of Microsoft. Yeah. But yeah. even so, I mean, regardless who it is, whoever did, did that, as Brett said, whoever did that, I mean, hello, plain, I, I'm it not going to bother with this. This, yeah, is, this is not worthy of our time. It's, it's like somebody, you know, who plugs in a new web server without changing the passwords for the administrator thing. Yeah, or, yeah. or banks who install ATM machines without going through changing the default factory set passwords or yeah. factory short, you know, factory secret keys to access the behind the screens parts of the thing. And then going, wow, it got hacked. It's like, no, it didn't. It, it's the same as I have a shop that sells gold and I left the front door open and I went for lunch. Yeah, exactly. That's you right. left the door open. Yeah. <laughs> no hacking or, you know, no special skills were involved in cracking that thing when you leave the front door open. 
I mean, passwords in plain text. I mean, this is just fundamental, you know, computer development 101. It's not even web security. It's fundamental, Pete. Yeah, and computer I would, security. Yeah, I would have absolutely. thought that Internet Information Service, IIS web browsers, web service, or whatever system they had in place for storing these things would have encrypted these passwords by default. Come on, people. By no, 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 no. Um, it'll be in the database. It, it'll be in the database, and and databases will will only encrypt if you tell them to. Yeah, but they were probably using an off-the-shelf sort of interface. Oh, I see what you're saying. You're saying well, I'm, 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 I hope not. <laughs> have encryption. <laughs> well, uh, who knows? But uh, yeah, whatever. There's there's no excuse for it, really. I mean, that's just silly. No. No. All right, so that's our silly stories over. Something perhaps not so silly. In fact, something kind of progressive, I think. Nevada is issuing some new rules for driverless cars. So Absolutely. Got, yeah, they've got some uh, a sort of a framework in place that will allow yeah. manufacturers to test driverless cars on the roads, on public roads. Mm-hmm. But you've got, yeah. to, you've got to follow their quite strict regulations. You got to put up a one million dollar to three million dollar bond. Yes, <laughs> you have to have the money to cover any damage that your car does. Yep, and you must have at least two passengers in the car that are able to take over and uh, you know to override the mm-hmm. uh, the autopilot if needed. Which yep. is, is kind of common sense, you know. But yeah, it's yeah. good. They're ready for the thing. Is of all places, I think Nevada's great. I mean, you've got this huge desert out there and these big roads that go absolutely a long Perfect way with it, testing. It's yeah. a good place yeah. to do this testing. But mm-hmm. it, it's just how forward thinking they were when they were coming up with these regulations. Because it's yeah, it's not just regulations to cover the you know manufacturers wanting to test and thing. They've actually thought a little ahead as well, a little further beyond to when cars might actually start to come onto market and that. You know, drive operators of these cars need to have a will ha- need to have a special license, and the cars will need to have specific things in them, like um, black boxes, etc. To before they yeah. are allowed to be on the roads in Nevada. So a driver w- will be able to um, text while driving and that sort of stuff, but they're still prohibited from drinking while while they are in the driver's seat. Indeed, because they are still the operator of that car exactly. and they are still responsible for taking control should any you know, untoward situation occur. You know it's, not, in- it's not I get in my car and I have a nap on the way to work. I and still I crack have open to be a bottle aware. of Bo- Bollinger. Exactly. It's I still have to be aware and able to take over. Yeah. I think it's very progressive and forward thinking. I think it, it is. is. Yeah. And, and yeah. it covers the. the the key things when you think about, you know, key concerns about these driverless vehicles. You've got yep. to have somebody who's able to take control. Well, d- who's down able to the fact to drive that these, these, the license plates for these cars are going to be a different color from the from the regular driver. So that cars. everybody else can know that that's a driverless car and I might give exactly. them a wider berth. That's right, give them a wider <laughs> berth. I was just going to say that, actually. Because you never know when the, if the person inside it is actually <laughs> <It's gonna take laughs> illegally charge. drinking and asleep. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what's more dangerous, actually, the person deciding to take charge or letting the, the, the car drive. I don't know. Oh, I think <laughs> the, the, the driver taking charge, that is more dangerous. More dangerous, right. <laughs> you could be right. <laughs> well, you'd hope so anyway. Uh, it's kind of like autopilot, isn't it? Mm. And, and as an you know, autopilot in a, in a plane. 
Oh, absolutely, and and I've I've heard that for years modern uh, jumbo jets have been able to land themselves, but yeah. they don't because the pilots need error a job. is just yeah the margin for error is too great in that yeah. sort of situation. But it is well, it's yeah, more the it, liability it true, but it's risk. In specific specific airports, right? Because you've got to have mm. the ground station, which is what actually brings them in. The exactly. ILS, that's yeah, right. Yeah. And the yeah. ground station takes control and guides the plane in. Whereas there are certain airports such as Wellington where you could never have a situation <laughs> like no, that. That's right. Because the system would never be able to deal with the Oh the turbulence, the, the wind. Yeah. So yeah, just yes. the, the ma- manner of landing at that airport. Now speaking of guiding things in, the Swiss are developing a system to guide in bits of space junk and they're starting by removing their own space junk first. Swiss space junk. Hmm. So they've developed these 10 million Swiss franc satellites or mini satellites yep, yep, whose job it is to uh, go and uh, collect. Grab know, hold of junk and then hurtle it into. Yeah. And then uh, commit suicide. Pretty yeah, much. Basically yeah, take it, does, it down. <laughs> that's right. It, t- it takes it. Yeah. Now this can be really expensive because there's hundreds of bits up there, thousands of bits up there. Oh yeah. But you've got to remember this is just the, the, the cost for developing and creating this thing to begin with. Once they finished developing the prototype and tested it and got the, you know, the technology in place, it'll become you know, significant. Production line. Oh, yeah, production. Yeah, yeah, true. Significantly yeah. cheaper. And, and they the won't launch one at a are, time either. Yeah. They'll and launch the multiple things are at a time. Tiny, yeah, you can have multiple. It's, it's. But why can't they have them collect a piece of space junk, bring it down far enough, clear, close enough so that it hurdles towards and then go, you know, thrust it back Because up. once again, if... Once it's let go of it, that piece of space junk is then a free-floating piece of space junk. And that free-floating piece of space junk could get hit by some other piece of space junk and knocked back into orbit in a completely different spot. So all of this money spent tracking all of these chunks of space junk, and suddenly they'll have to re-figure out this new orbit of this other piece of space junk. No, no, but if it's close enough to the Earth that it's going, you know, it's going... Then you would need far too much power in the little pusher satellite to get itself back up. Oh, I see, okay. It's far safer for it to lock onto something, hold onto it, and power its way into the atmosphere and burn itself up. Oh, yeah, okay, I suppose. So uh, a whole bunch of little Sadie the Cleaning Ladies yeah, yeah, up they, there. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. things, because if they're calling them microsatellites, then these things weigh like less than 10 kilograms each, these little pusher satellites. Mm-hmm. And so, you, so you're thinking a, a standard rocket launch, like the successful launch of the ESL's Vega rocket just uh, a couple of weeks ago, it's had like eight microsatellites on board that it pushed out. Oh, wow. Okay. But uh, as well as some other satellites that it was doing. But if you had a rocket launch that was specifically for pushing out these microsatellites, you could, you know, for that dozen, 20 at a yeah, time. Yeah. Yeah. Multiple dozens of these things in one rocket launch for it to go out and grab the, the, the most dangerous pieces of space junk and send them down. I hope at least one of them has a live webcam that they can beam down to Earth. Oh, uh, well, you know, not beam the camera will. down, but beam the images down. Yeah, yeah, they, they probably will. I know, <laughs> for instance... cool to watch. Yeah, robot suicide cam. Yeah. Well, there's a piece of technology currently that was launched in that Vega launch of two microsatellites that are up there purely to test the technology, the movement, you know, thruster technology and the 
docking technology of these tiny devices attaching to each other. So they're two little microsatellites that have been launched that are going to disconnect from each other, putter away, and then attempt to redock with each other. So it's the same sort of technology that you would use for tracking and grabbing hold of these tiny pieces of space junk. So it's stuff that they're testing and doing right now. To, it's all very exciting stuff. And it needs to be done because it's a big mess up there. Oh, oh it's a massively horrible mess. Can't There's- believe it got to that state. Well, I can look at the planet, <laughs> but also look at the, the look at the space race. the The Russians were launching stuff constantly. The Americans were launching stuff constantly with these horrible rockets that were mm-hmm. multi stage. And while the first couple of stages would fall and burn up or hit, you know, land somewhere and on the planet, the rest of them would just be jettisoned junk. And the little bits that fall off, you know, bits of foam, bits of insulation, stuff that just wanders around, their spacesuit gloves that fell out of the space shuttle's docking bay that are now circling around the place. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Lost spanners, lost nuts. It's just, yeah, it's a trash heap up there. And mm-hmm. all of the collisions, it's like the different bits of junk making more junk by smashing into other junk. But it's, it's not even that. It's actual um, satellites that are launched up into space that have like a two-year lifespan and then they just shut down and spin around oh, waiting yeah, for yeah. something so, else so to hit them. Like, yeah, some of it's just well, yeah, uh, it's, it's obsolete back stuff. When all yeah. of this stuff exactly, exactly. Ob- obsolescence yeah. is, is part of the problem. The planning for these different satellites did not include deorbiting them, whereas nowadays it's – you know, if you put a big satellite up there, you've got to have a plan for getting it down. We've recently seen several instances of deorbiting satellites. One because it broke after launch, and one because it was way out of out of life expectancy. And so, you've got to have a plan these days to bring your junk back down if you're putting something up there. But when all of the space race first started, no. It yeah, wasn't a plan. It, it, it wasn't a consideration. Stuff. Yeah, you put stuff up and there's loads, tons of space. Plenty of room. Plenty of room. <laughs> That's why it's called space, isn't it? Yeah. But then they were thinking, you know, I'm putting one satellite up there. It, it's big enough that you can miss it. Not once it's been hit by tons of things and broken up into a million little pieces. <laughs> yeah, you know what they were thinking, eh? They were thinking, oh, pretty much every country will have one satellite up there. Yeah. So that's what, at most 200 bits, that's fine. Of course. <laughs> oh, how naive. All right, 64K is all the memory you'll ever need. Oh. <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking <laughs> when you were saying that. It's like, eh. Uh. Okay, right. That concludes the uh, world stories. Unless anyone wanted to raise something else? Anything else? Nope. No. Okay, well, that's it then. But uh, just after this little musical ditty, I want to come back with a New Zealand story about proposing mandatory GPS for mobile phones. Don't go away. Welcome back. Now, the Ministry of Economic Development is currently considering mandatory GPS for mobile phones. Now, there's a number of reasons why you might want such a thing. The first of which is that a lot of VoIP phones, for example, aren't always able to be located. You can't sort of work out where they're coming from. So in particular, when you're making emergency calls, 
Uh, it makes them very, very hard to, to locate, sometimes impossible. And, of course, mm-hmm. if the person making the call can't articulate their location or doesn't know their location, for that matter, you might be a, a tourist or, or a visitor or might be trapped somewhere, uh, you can't always uh, convey that information. So, so that's one of the reasons. What do you guys think about mandatory GPS for mobile phones? Because remember, other countries have how done does this that already. Solve the, I'm, I'm just curious how that solves the VoIP devices thing, because not all really VoIP doesn't. devices are mobile phones. Precisely. If I have VoIP on my computer, my computer doesn't have a GPS yeah. in it. And often the VoIP phone is just a handset that you've plugged into your router. Yeah. So it doesn't. Ah, I found the floor in the logic. Well, the, you know, because the, the, the report was sort of considering whether they need to have, in, whether, you know, VoIP devices should have independent power sources. Yeah, well, that's just ridiculous. And that start- doesn't solve the where are they issue. No, yeah, it does. It's got power, but where is it still? Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> solve the where is it still. It, it also doesn't actually solve the, the power requirement. Yeah, because the, uh, the router itself would need. Yeah, what else falls over when you've got no... Am I going to have, because I use VoIP, am I going to have to have a generator to back up the place in case power goes out so that I can support this whatever GPS function they're sticking in my phone? Okay, so let's look... How much cost am I going to have to put up with for that? Okay, let's just forget VoIP for a second and and also fixed line, let's forget that as well. Let's just talk about mobile phones specifically. I think it's a great idea for mobile phones. Okay. Uh, Brett? I think it has potential to be a good idea for mobile phones. There's also potential for significant misuse. What's to prevent the government from deciding that their spy agency needs to turn on your GPS on your phone so they can find out where oh, you are? Oh, but look, they can, if they, they really can wanted to, they, they could triangulate no, you. No, they to... can't already do that. The technology doesn't support it. They can figure out yeah, your, exactly. your, your approximate location. Precisely. They can already do that. So why do I need a GPS in my phone for the emergency calling system? But you were saying it was because it could be misused. They could track you down. But we're just saying that that can already be done. And you've agreed to that. Yeah. That, of course they can already do it. But they can already do it in a more, you know, a specific system that they need to get permission to use and go through several other people. And because you can already... In, in theory, you could send a command to your phone to uh, force it to reveal its GPS coordinates. Exactly. Which is exactly what Find My Phone does. Precisely. That's what Find My Phone does. But that's a system that's under your control. It's got, it's got the ability to... So where this. have we landed? But anyway, <laughs> as you were saying, there is already a way of, of determining a rough location of where a phone is Yeah. by using the, the towers that it's connected to. So pointless what legislation. What they're, yeah. what they're putting in is that they're, they're, it, I guess it's trying to improve the emergency calling system for well, that's using coming mobile from. phones. But you still get to the point where a lot of people are going to not turn on the GPSs and GPSs in phones drastically reduces the battery life of a phone. So most people who have GPS, like I have GPS in my phone, but... I turn location services off most of the time, unless I actually need it. Because it chews the batteries. Because it chews the battery. All right, so maybe instead of legislation, what is needed is perhaps better education. Let people know, hey, look, it's a great idea if you've got a phone with GPS, especially if you need to make a 111 call and you can't articulate your location or you don't know your location, they might be able to find you. So, mm, so text message edu- it. Yeah. You can't speak. Well, 
We've already got SMS capability, but you have to be you have to register for That's it. Right. And you currently yeah. are only able to use SMS one emergency messaging if you're a registered deaf or you have a speech impairment, which you know are, are two of the the key groups that this would be be targeted at anyway. Yeah, the problem for that is the fact that they need to improve the networking and connectivity of those devices in the first right. place because yeah. right well, now the, the, SMSing the whole... is is all store and forward. So. Yeah, there's I, no I quality of service. That. Yeah, yeah, there's no quality. There's no real time. There's no quality of searches for that. Yeah. It's delays occur. For instance, in the Christchurch earthquake, there were up to 20 minute delays in the SMS emergency texting. Yeah, and anyone um, who's who's been to a music festival will experience that because the towers just get inundated and flooded. Yeah, um, yeah. and and yeah. and the text messages just back up. Yeah. So it's about building more resilience into the actual system itself to mm-hmm. to handle it and building in a better, more open SMS emergency system. Do you know what I'd like, though? Uh, I'd like GPS on my camera. That's what I would like. So you can have geo so you know where you fixing photos. your photos. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm doing them by hand in iPhoto because I mm. you know, have to figure out where I – you know, some of these are for my world trip back in 2005. We spent six months overseas. Mm-hmm. And boy, that some of the photos were so obscure, I had to consult multiple satellite views. Some of them were in France. I consulted Google Earth and as well as the, the local French, uh, what have they got? We covered this on the show, actually. Mm. Uh, Geo, Geo something, <laughs> .fr. We covered this on the show a while ago. It was the, the French uh, project to, <laughs> to, well, yeah, kind of, the, kind of the French version of Google Earth, if you like. But uh, it's, it's, it was it, certainly at the time a much higher definition. I don't know if it still is. But, um, so does it does it only do France and everything else outside the borders is unknown? Yeah, well, it does. I think it only does France, and I don't know whether it's got imagery for the rest, but it certainly doesn't show you that stuff. Yeah. Anyways, it took a long time. I'm still going through them. They it takes a long, long time. But it's yeah, my yeah. fault. I should have just bought a phone with GPS. Uh, sorry, uh, a camera with GPS. But uh, uh, well, back how many then cameras there actually any. have GPS. No, I think they were. They they had some back then, didn't they? I don't no. know because I. No. The, you know, your your standard semi-professional SLR cameras, like a good quality camera, it doesn't have GPS in it. No, even even phones, even phones did back then didn't didn't have GPS. Yeah, even phones back then didn't have GPS. Though in two thousand five, yeah, yeah. I though I I, I mean it I might have been that just GPS. introducing. Like there might be have been like one or two models that that had GPS, but. It, it was a really rare thing back then. Oh, okay. So maybe I don't feel so bad then. It, it's, In internet years. So I wasn't completely stupid. No. Oh. No. Okay, cool. Thanks, guys. You made me feel completely. so much better. That's why we have you on the show. So first of all, Alec, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, again, it's been a fun discussion. It's been a good one this time. And uh, Brett, also, thank you very much. Always blue All right, that concludes episode 154 of New Zealand's longest-running TIG podcast. See you all again next week, everyone. Goodbye. Ciao. Later. Ah, right. Yes, well, yeah, I just wanted to check because I...
you, can, you never know. You, you can't. You can't. Uh, you can never second get. Uh, you can't. I don't know what the hell I'm trying to say, but you can't do something. All right. Yes. Okay. <laughs> excellent. <laughs> yeah, Google. You can't do it. A dodgy hack. Ah, there's a moth in the studio. Hang on, hang on. <laughs> Get off me. Fear for your life. Well, the, oh, thing, God. the thing with moths is that they, they, they don't fly properly. They fly into you. Go away. Hello. They, they fly perfectly they fly fine. You. Oh, it's God. just that you happen to be in the way of them navigating circles around your light bulb. This one isn't. It's just You're moving. interrupting their navigation <laughs> by turning your light on. Turn your light off and it'll go away. You know, the wor- ah, get out. You know, the worst, uh, this is a small one, so it's not too bad. The worst are moths in the shower or moths in the bathroom. I hate that. Oh, of course, because when they wet. smack into you, they get stuck. I know, and I just don't like things that fly into you. That disturbs well, me. Oh, indeed, because, you know, nobody easy. ever wants a plane to fly into them. <laughs> What sort of what, uh, L? What sort Haunchy of moths? moths that join you in the shower. Indeed. wow <laughs> wow. What Sony has done is it's eliminating this uh, cheating by they've got this brick wall that you place just between you and the other person that leads right up to the. No, I'm joking. What the- <laughs> and a big cable that runs between two devices. Yeah. <laughs> no, what they've done. Oh, goodness me. I can't believe I'm doing this. Right, professional. I'll get told off by the producer. A Belgian music management company called Sabam, or S-A-B-A-M, I'm not quite sure how you pronounce that. Can we go, Sabam? <laughs> I'm sorry, but that I'd actually tickles my sense of humour. That's great. So, I'd put my little Aladdin hat on and I would go around going, Sabam! <laughs> Walk in the court, go, Sabam! Do this! <laughs> Wonder powers activate. Sabam! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, excuse me. Oh, goodness me. You're going to trick an S for a day. (laughs) Oh, I've lost all composure. So anyway, so yeah, their their name, the the Belgian music management company called Sabam. Uh, what are they doing? That's right. They wanted to sue. Oh, goodness me. Let me compose myself first. Here we go. So th- they were wanting to sue a European social networking site, Netlog. Oh. <laughs> All I've got going in my head while I'm reading this is, Sabam! Sabam! <laughs> okay, guys, please, here we go. Actually, it's not your fault. It's my fault now, because you guys have said nothing for the last minute, and I'm still laughing. So it's entirely my fault. Okay, so um, so this right, Sabam. We'll call them. Yeah, <laughs> anyway, Sabam. 